0: Well, our country has been through a real rocking and rolling, let me tell you, and it's been a year of trials, been a year of testing, it has been a year of purifying and purging of the church and of our faith. And uh, it's just been a year that a lot of people aren't going to look back on with great fondness. Amen. It's been strange. I say this to Cindy all the time, isn't this so weird that, you know, had to shut down the church for a while. And uh, now we're still a lot of people are afraid to come back because of COVID and and you got this crazy election and all this stuff going on. So my concern, and I believe God's concern, is that it's distracted us in a lot of ways away from what's most important. Uh, and understandably so. But you know what? I want to bring a word today that I believe will recalibrate us, refocus us, uh, get our eyes back on what matters most. So I want to read out of Luke 12, and I'm going to talk to you today about fool's goals. I'll tell you what I mean by that in just a moment. But Luke 12, verse 15, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I'm I'm, uh, reading out of the New King James Version. Of course, we all know Jesus spoke King James, and if King James was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me, right? That's a joke. Some of you said amen. I'm praying for you. All right, but this is the New King James, and Jesus is talking to us about covetousness and living only for yourself. And so let's look at what he said, starting in verse fifteen, uh, Luke chapter twelve. Actually, I lied to you. I'm reading this out of the Living Bible. I repent. I've already messed up. All right, here we go. And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, you don't ever want to hear that, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word. Bless it to our hearts. And help us, Lord, to indeed refocus, recalibrate, readjust our our uh, where our attention is going. Lord, help us to get our eyes on what is most fruitful and most beneficial, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll turn to your neighbor and tell them it's going to be good. Perk up and listen. You're going to need it before you get home. Amen. Now, when I was a kid, I went from one... Um, kind of fad to another, to another, to another. I collected comic books for about a year or two. I'd give anything if I still had those comic books because I would make a fortune on them. I had everything, Green Lantern, Batman, Superman, Flash. I had all of them. And uh, I collected them. But but there was a time when I got into collecting rocks and fossils. And I was just into it. And I would go to the woods every day and I would uh, look for these different fossils and rocks and and I was all into the crystals and and the different well, I would I would get them and I would go home and look them up and see what they were and one day I saw this this shiny glittery yellow rock and my little 9-year-old heart jumped because I was convinced I'd found gold and I was thinking all the way home how many BB guns I was going to buy And how many comic books I was going to collect. And what was I going to do with all this money? And I went running in and I showed my dad. I said, Dad, look, I was out there. I was looking for crystals and rocks and fossils. And I I found gold, Dad. He looked at me. He said, Jeff, that's not gold. That's pyrite. And I said, what's pyrite? And he said, what you are right now. Fool's gold. And I said, you mean this isn't real? He said, no, it's fool's gold. And boy, my little heart sank, and I realized that there's a lot of things out there that look like they're going to make you rich or going to bless you or fulfill you, but they're fool's gold, fool's gold. Now, the parable we just read uh, was designed by Jesus to teach us about the folly of covetousness, which which means to, to live for material things, to, to live to gather stuff. You're a collector of stuff. You're always about getting material things, clothes, cars, houses. Uh, You can't go to the mall without sinning with your credit card. I understand. Covetousness. And it's also a warning about living only for yourself. Now, remember, Jesus was the greatest, if I could call him this, the greatest philosopher to ever live. Jesus was the greatest teacher on life and living that has ever walked the planet. He's not just our savior, but he's our teacher. Is he your teacher about all things in life? He should be. And so Jesus is telling us here that there is a trap in life. As a matter of fact, in the parable of the sower, he talked about the one guy who received the word with joy, but then the, the deceitfulness of riches or the lust For more material things rose up in his life and choked the word of God in him. So Jesus here is warning us about a danger, a pitfall, and its covetousness. Living only for things. Materialism says Jesus is the fool's gold of life. Materialism is the fool's gold. So many people think they have found something that's going to make them happy, rich, if I just get the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And it teaches about covetousness. He presents a man who is very successful in business. In fact, he's living the, the equivalent of the American dream. This guy, uh, if he were alive today, would be on the cover of Forbes magazine. He was living the equivalent of the American dream. We read, as Jesus lays it out for us, that his farm was so blessed with harvest, that his barns were overflowing. His blessing is literally in the story more than he can handle. He has really made it happen in business. I mean, he is successful. He's an entrepreneur. He's raking in the dough. So he proceeds at one point to have a conversation with himself and the conversation he has with himself provides us a window into his soul. And Jesus wants us to see it. So we see that everything co- that comes out of his mouth when he realizes his barns are now full. They are, they are so full, there's no more room for any more harvest. He has gotten all that he can get at that time. And so he has this conversation with himself when he reaches max in his bank account. And everything that comes out of his mouth, we note, begins with I as a matter of fact there's six of them first he considers his problem what shall i do since i have no room to store my crops now that's the first two eyes what shall i do since i have no room to fill my crops what am i going to do with all that i have what am i going to do with all of this he's at a juncture in the road because there's a lot of things he could have done right here he could have given it away He could have blessed others. He could have blessed God. But no, six times, I, 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 I. And there's four I wills. I will this. I will that. I will. I will. So he's headstrong. He's all about himself. He's focused on himself. And not one time, In in, in the first two eyes, do we find him thinking about God, about the God that has blessed him? Not one time when he's faced with the problem, does it occur to him, go to God and ask him what to do. Ask God what to do about this problem. Seek God about it. God blessed you with all this. So surely he's got an answer for what you might do with all of this abundance, but he doesn't even think about it. God's nowhere in his mind. The Bible teaches that God delights in his children going to him when we have a problem and asking him for wisdom and counsel. Amen? The Lord still talks. He still guides. He still provides wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, James said, hey, you lack wisdom if you got a problem you don't know how to solve, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God not just yourself, what will I do, but God who gives to all who come to him liberally and without reproach. That's saying God will not rebuke you for asking him for wisdom. He wants us to go to him for wisdom. If you've got a problem you can't solve, it's not a problem God can't solve. But not one time does this man go to God and say, what should I do? Because he's a self-made man, don't you know? This guy's a self-made man. He's totally independent from others, and he's disconnected from God. He perfectly illustrates that old Frank Sinatra song, I did it my way. You know, that's the stupidest philosophy of life. The last thing you want to do is do it your way. Because the Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is death. So if my way is going to lead me to death, the dumbest thing I can do is do it my way. No, the wisest thing you can do is do it God's way. Do it the Lord's way. But in light of the problem, he has a problem first, and he's, he's only accessing himself for the solution. And then, secondly, he makes a decision once he looks at the problem. So he said, I will. Here comes three more eyes. I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods three more eyes right in a row. I, 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 it's all about me. It's all about I, me, myself, and I. And what did he decide to do? It was all about him. His decision is to make more room for what he doesn't even need. He's already got more than, than his heart could ever want, but he instead instead decides to hoard his riches So he pulls down the barns that he had and he builds greater barns. And it's all about himself. It's all about living for himself. Not a single thought about God occurs to him or about others. It's all about I, I, I. Even though I have more than I could ever want, I'm going to dump more on I. And you know, that's the essence of covetousness. Covetousness is when you never have enough. You never have enough. Enough is never enough. When you're covetous, you you, you never learn the joy of contentment. And and contentment is a great thing. Contentment with godliness, said Paul, is a great gain When you're content with godliness. Contentment is wonderful because you have enough and you have peace and you're fulfilled in life. But if your covetousness If you're covetous, enough is never enough. More is never enough. As soon as you get this, you want that. As soon as you get that, you want this. As soon as you get that new car, after about a year, you're tired of it and you want a newer car that costs more. You want a bigger house. You want a better paying job. Nothing wrong with wanting a better paying job. But what we're talking about here is when you live only for material things and only for yourself. That's the gist of the parable here. The Bible tells the truth when it says hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of carnal man are never satisfied. I never have enough. And Jesus said it's fool's gold that you're chasing. It's fool's gold, looks good, glitters, it's yellow, it looks like the real thing. And you think you've got something that's going to make you happy and rich, but I'm going to tell you something, money will never make you happy. Now money will relieve pressure. I'm not going to say that's not true. Money will make things easier if you have enough money. Not going to say that's not true, but it will not make you fundamentally happy. You know how I know that? Because I read about the rich people who are miserable. They have more than money could ever uh, buy. They're they're rich where they couldn't spend it all. They had 10 lifetimes, but they're out uh, drinking themselves to death, drugging themselves to death, living lives uh, that are destroying them because money doesn't make you happy. Jesus said, no, life doesn't consist in the abundance of what you possess. The flesh is never satisfied, never content, always chasing the next pot of gold at the end of the next rainbow, but it's fool's gold. Now, following his first decision, he makes a second one. It's time to retire. He says, man, it's time for me to retire. Look at all that I've got. I've got all these goods. So it says, here comes some more, one more. I, I will say to my soul, notice I, my, all these personal pronouns, this, this guy's life, personal pronouns. I, my, me, myself, I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And there you have the last eye. He surveys all of his belongings and his wealthy 401k. And he says to himself, it's time to step aside and enjoy life without work. You know, that's what a lot of people live for. They live for the day they can retire and and, and get that gold watch and start living off the 401k that they've been accumulating all those years. And they have this dream. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. In today's parlance, he's accumulated millions of dollars to live on for many years that he thinks he has left. If he were alive today, he'd be planning to hit the golf course, sip pina coladas on some tropical beach, See the world, sleep late, take it easy, and enjoy the fruits of all of his labor. There's no better picture in all the Bible of somebody enjoying the American dream. But you know what? Jesus said the American dream is a false view. Can I say that again because I'm popping somebody's bubble? Because there's people that move here from other nations from around the world to achieve the American dream. But do you know that the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest teacher to ever live, said that the American dream is a false view? It's a false view. Because what is it? I'm going I'm to hit the American drive. I'm going to do something for my job. I'm going to make a whole bunch of money. I'm going to accumulate retirement. And I'm going to retire somebody, someday in some great house with a great car. And I'm going to travel the world and spend the rest of my days on myself. And Jesus said, that's a false view of life. That's fool's gold. Because look what happens to this man next. But God said to him, fool. This night, your soul will be required of you. You're going to die tonight. You're going to die tonight. And all your plans are going to vaporize because you've lived only for yourself. Then Jesus says, then whose will those things be that you have provided? He's telling him in no uncertain terms, everything you've worked for, somebody else is going to get it. Everything you've worked for, somebody else is going to swoop in and get it. Have you ever been around? Listen, I have pastored a long time. And I know what happens when somebody of means passes away. That family, that family goes at each other's jugulars like nobody's business. They invade the house and take everything that's out of it. They fight over the will. If you're in the will, they fight you. If you're out of the will, you fight it. It's all about getting what that person earned. Jesus was no dummy. Jesus knew life. And he said, hey, you, you spent your whole life getting rich and now you're dying tonight and everything that you accumulated, somebody else is going to get that didn't work for it. <laughs> now remember, God's been nowhere in this man's life, his whole life. His whole life has been all about himself. God's been nowhere. But now God suddenly enters the narrative and God says, guess what? Tonight's the night you're going to meet me. Tonight's the night. Your soul's required of you. Your time is up. Your calendar is up. The seconds are slipping by. You have only got a few hours left. You thought you had years left, but you've only got a few hours left. I think of the word of James. What is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. What you ought to say is if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. But now such boasting is evil when you say, Oh, I've got all kinds of years left. And you presume that that's true. And you don't live for God. And your life can go at any time. At any time. There's no guarantee that we've got a tomorrow. The Bible says that. Now we come to the moral of the story. Here's the moral of the story the all-important thing that this rich man who achieved the American dream that he missed, Jesus said, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Is not rich toward God. And here's the greatest philosopher that ever lived telling us what's most important in life. Not that we live for ourselves and not that we live for stuff, but whatever we do, in the life that God has given us, whether it's a long life or a shorter one, that we live it for him and we're rich toward God. Because one day God will say to every single one of us, your time is up. Every one of us, your time is up. Now, we we hear that go rich toward God. What does that mean? How in the world can I be rich toward God? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you three ways. Here's three ways to be rich toward God. Are you ready? Very simple. And I'm going to go over them quickly with your time. Everybody say time. See, time is the one thing slipping away right now that we can't ever get back. I'm never going to get back the hour plus that I've spent in church. <clears throat> so it was a great place to spend it. Amen? A great way to spend my time. But you can't get yesterday back, and tomorrow's not here yet. Time is the one thing we spend that we can never get back, but we can invest it. When Jesus tells us... Um, In the Sermon on the Mount, what to seek, he says this. Seek first. Everybody say first. First. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What are the things that will be added to you? Everything the rich man lived for. To the exclusion of God. Your clothes the things that you need provided for you. Jesus said, you make my kingdom first and everything's gonna be added to you. Now, the word first is a priority word. And whenever you use the word priority, you're talking about time. When I say I'm prioritizing something, that means I'm setting aside time to do this thing. Jesus said, seek first. That's a priority word, so it's a time word. He said, I want you to seek first the kingdom of God. That's one way that we are rich toward God. When we give God the first of our time every day. Amen? Give God time. Give him time. I'm being rich toward God when I wake up and immediately put him first. When I give him the first time of every day, I'm being rich toward God. This rich man never never gave God a microsecond of his life. God's nowhere in his thoughts. And a lot of people, most people live that way. God is inconsequential. He doesn't even enter their thinking. And they may make a a billion dollars in life, but they're going to die and take none of it with them. Somebody else is going to get everything they earn, and they're going to meet their maker. But the wise person redeems the time, making the most of every opportunity. The wise person is rich toward God by giving him time. We give time to TV. We give time to eating. We give time to having fun. We give time to work. We give time to ourselves. You know, I I need some time for myself, we say. But how much time, and I'm talking to myself here too, how much time does God get where we are, where we are saying, I'm going to go be with God, in the prayer closet, reading the Bible, praying, meditating, spending time with God. How much time has God gotten from you and me this week? Seconds? Minutes? Hours? How much time? Well, I wish I had more time, Pastor Jeff. Listen, whatever you want to make time for, you will make time for. I've seen people make time when it's hailing out to go to a football game. I've seen people make time in the toughest of times to do what they really want to do. So let, let, let's be honest. When we, we want, if we want to be with God, we will make time. Come on, everybody. We will make time because time is something you spend. You spend it on this. You spend it on that. You spend it on something else. You spend it. And at the end of time, when we meet God, we're either going to hear you were rich toward God, or we're going to hear you should have been rich toward God. So we want to be rich toward God. So we give him time, time. All right. A second way to be rich toward God is by helping other people. Helping other people in Jesus' name. When Jesus uh, talks about his return to earth in Matthew 25, you read about it. He he says, when I come back, there's going to be two kinds of people. Those who sowed into others and those who did not. Jesus puts it this way. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Now, those that are hearing that spoken over them by the Lord Jesus, they say, how in the world did we visit you or feed you or clothe you? What are you talking about, Lord? And then he says, inasmuch as you did it to the least of one of these, my brethren, you did it, say it with me, everybody, to me you did it to me. Now there's a great truth there because I believe it's not just how much we give time. We give God vertically, but it's how much we touch others horizontally It's how we are rich toward God. See, Jesus noticed, he said, I have been taking note of your life. Cause he says to another group, I was in prison. I was uh, naked. I was hungry. I was thirsty and you didn't do anything. And they said, well, how, how is that true? How did we not do it for you? And he said, "Inasmuch much as you did not do it for these, my brethren, the least of them, you didn't do it for me. And you didn't do it to me. So there's something here where Jesus identifies with people who are in need. He 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 stands next to them and when we reach out to them, not in our name, not for our glory, not so that people will trumpet the great things we do, but when we reach out to them in the name of Jesus, here's some clothes, in the name of Jesus, here's some food, in the name of Jesus, I came here to visit you and encourage you in jail, in the name of Jesus I'm here, it's because of him that I'm here. When you do that, you have done it to him. You've done it to him. You've done it to him. So the first one is vertical. Give God your time. The second one is horizontal. Bless others in the name of Jesus. Listen to this verse in Galatians six, verse 10. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, right there, we're being told You got an opportunity to do good for somebody, especially in the household of faith. Step out and do it. Do it in the name of Jesus. Be rich toward God. It's not about you. It's about others. It's not about you. It's about him. Life does not revolve around you. You are not your own Godhead. Your Godhead is not me, myself, and I. It is him and it's others. When we bless others in the name of Jesus, we are being rich Toward God, this rich man, it's amazing. When he realized that he didn't have one more square inch to put any more grain, he was that blessed, and he thought to himself, here's what he should have said to himself, there's poor people down the street that don't have anything, and I've got all this. I I should take some of this and, and give them some. It didn't even occur to him to do. He didn't even think about it. No, no. I, 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 me, 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 me. I want more room for my stuff for me to spend and me to live in luxury. Not one thought about the poor guy down the street. Not one thought about how he could have helped somebody out of the ditch. Not one consideration of what he could have done in God's name for someone else, not to mention, he never thought God's given me all of this. So therefore I should give him some of it back. Nowhere in his mind. No wonder God said, you fool, you fool. Your life could have shined. You could have made such a difference. But you spent it all on you, and you were covetous. And covetousness wiped you out and blinded you and destroyed your potential. Choked the word in you. Well, one final way to be rich toward God is giving to his work. The rich man in our story had more finances than he knew what to do with, and as I just said, he didn't for one minute stop to think. God gave me all of this. Let me let me tell you what James said. Every good gift. And every, uh, every good gift comes down from the Father above. Every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. In whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of change. If it's a good gift, if God has blessed you. Listen, we need to stop all the time. It's Thanksgiving week. We need to stop all the time and look at what God has given to us. It's so easy to look at what you don't have. You ought to look around at what you do have. And just say, look, look what he gave me here. He, he gave me that mercy drop there. He provided something I didn't even know he was going to do. It came out of nowhere. God blessed me out of nowhere. Look at the goodness of God. It's all around me. God, Jesus said, listen, your father in heaven makes his, he's so good. He makes his son rise on the just and on the unjust. He makes the sunrise on people that curse his name every single day. But he blesses them with sunrise anyway. And he sends his rain on the just and on the unjust. When the wicked need rain to grow a crop, God still gives it to them. In hopes that the goodness of God will lead them to repentance. But this rich man and so many people, they get blessed, they get their socks blessed off, and they never stop to think, I'm going to be rich toward God and give some of it back to him. He only wanted to spend it on himself. Now, let me tell you something about giving to God's work. You'll never hear me say, if you give $10, God's going to give you a hundred back. I'm never going to say that. You know why? Because it's not true. He said, Jeff, what about sowing seed? Well, sow seed. God can bless you any way he wants. But I want to tell you, I've tithed my whole life and I've never had a hundred fold come back but I have had the joy of giving to God's work and seeing it come back in ways and in things that money could never buy. You're never going to hear me tell you, if you don't give 10%, then you're going to come under some kind of curse from God. You know why you'll never hear me say that? Because it's not in the new Testament. It's not there. It's not there. I can't tell you what's not there. Well, what about the word word, verse? Um, You know, that I've robbed God, therefore you're cursed with a curse. That was Old Testament. If you want to live in the Old Testament, go ahead. I don't live in the Old Testament. I live in the New Testament. And let me tell you what the New Testament says. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly, not by arm twisting, not by false promises, not under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver who gives out of a heart of thanksgiving to him that's what God loves. Now, some of you are probably thinking, well, you're just shooting yourself in the foot preaching this pastor, Jeff, because the church needs finances. Yes. But listen, my fidelity, my commitment is to the word of God, not to what I want or what I want it to say. And I have experienced that when God's people give out of the goodness of their heart, they give sometimes more than if they tithe. See, to me, a child of God ought to want to give and be rich toward God, to the work of God, because when you give to the work of God, like what has happened already in the world because you gave to this church, thousands of children have already been fed today. In other countries, Haiti, India, Africa, children are in a home for HIV victims that never would have been there, giving them medicine to help them live because you gave. The gospel is being preached right now, like in Haiti. Jay Threadgill, our missionary in Haiti, told me we opened up church finally. We could finally open up church with all this COVID thing, and there wasn't room enough to receive them. No, no, not so much as about the door, and people got saved. You gave to that. See, we got to get out of this where God's some investment firm, and if I give five dollars, I'm going to earn twenty percent, and I'm going to get back. or a hundred dollars. That makes God, that makes God a banker. And that makes you an investor. And that's not why we should give. We should give because he first loved us and gave to us. Amen. Come on, everybody. And notice he says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. I've tithed my whole life. That, that's been my decision. I've tied 10% or more my whole life. My whole adult life, I've tied 10% or more. Thick or thin, good times or bad. But here's what I believe. If I tithe 5% from here on out, I wouldn't come under some curse from God. What I would lose is the ability to bless others with the other 5%. That's what I would lose. Our relationship with God doesn't depend on money. God forbid. Well, if I give enough, he's going to love me. And if I give more, he's really going to bless me. And if I give more, he might heal me. And if I give more, my runaway child might come home. No, you're literally believing that you got to pay God off. Listen, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Right? But this rich man, you can't tell me it wasn't in Jesus' mind when he said, You should have been rich toward God that he wasn't thinking about all the material goods he had and that he had given none of it back to God. You should have been rich toward God. So I want to recalibrate us as we close. I'm recalibrating. I want us to be thinking. Instead of focusing on the election and focusing on COVID and all the trouble and turmoil, let's recalibrate and say, I'm going to start focusing Every day I'm going to wake up and say, how can I be rich toward God today? How can I be rich toward God? How can I? First thing, I can get with him. I can get with him right now. I can grab my Bible, my coffee that God made on the eighth day and said, it is good. (laughs) Amen. Uh, I can do that. And I can sit down with my Bible and I can give God my time. Seek first. And I'm being rich toward God. Then I can say, who can I bless Who can I call and encourage? Who can I pray for? Who who can I go help who doesn't have anything? Who can I help? Is your ear even open to that? I give, I'm, I'm not in any way patting my back. God knows I'm saved by grace. I'm nothing apart from him. But I am open when God says, help that person. I'll help them. Nobody will ever know. But I help them. And when I do that, I've been rich toward God. You did it to me. You did it to me. Or what work can I give to that is reaching souls? This one. You can start here. Because we're reaching souls. Uh, Tens of thousands of people every single day with the word of God. How can I be rich toward God? Let's stand together, can we? How many of you want to be rich toward God? Seriously, rich toward God. Rich toward God. Yeah. Let's lift our hands to him. Lord, thank you for the word of the Lord. Jesus, this parable is so strong. You're warning us to not get caught up into the various and sundry things that distract us away from the one thing most important. Being rich toward God. So Lord, help us to do it. Help us to do it. Now, I want to have a prayer with you. I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. And I want you, as I pray, to let the Lord speak to you. Because I'm going to pray this prayer. Lord, show us right now how we can be rich toward God before the sun sets today. And every day, how can I be rich toward God and do it? Father, I pray starting with this preacher. And then the body of Christ. Those watching from home, all of us, we pray, help us to be rich toward God. And how can we be rich toward God? Now pray this with me, church. Say, Lord Jesus, show me how I can be rich toward God before the sun sets today. And help me, Lord, to every day, make it a priority. Number one, to be rich toward God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we thank the Lord? Amen. 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 I really think this is what Jesus meant when he said, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, that moth and rust corrupt and thieves break in and steal? Cindy's daughter, she was at a park with her kids a couple of weeks ago. She, has a, she had a new vehicle, used vehicle, but it's new for her. New vehicle. She got the kids over at the playground. And when she comes back, one of the back windows had been totally smashed in. They had taken her purse, all the credit cards, everything she had, and stolen it. And every time I hear a story like that, I think anything on this earth is subject to theft, but what you send ahead of you to heaven, no thief can steal. No thief. Amen. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Moth and rust can't get to it and thieves can't break in and steal it. right.